It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Locked On Vikings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, show number 150 on Locked On Vikings. My name's Sam Ekstrom, joined by Sage Rosenfels, en route to the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, Missouri, at, at the Sprint Center, where the Cyclones are trying to bring home the Big 12 crown. How you doing, Sage? I'm doing great. Excited that uh, my Cyclones won yesterday, beat uh, Oklahoma State, and uh, even more excited that Kansas lost. We were supposed to, we assumed we were going to be playing Kansas today uh, in the semifinals, but they lost yesterday to TCU, who we have split with uh, this year. We won at home, lost on the road. So TCU is a much improved team. So it uh, should be a fun, hopefully, couple days. Hopefully we win today, and I can stay for the championship on Saturday as well. It seems like there is life after Fred Hoiberg. I'm not sure people thought they were going to rebound once Hoiberg left, but they seem to be doing all right. Yeah, you know, Fred is uh, – they like me at Iowa State. They love Fred Hoiberg. So, uh, yeah, he was he's, – he's the golden child of Iowa State University. And, 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 you know, people were a little bit skeptical of Prome. And, uh, you know, last year they had a, a very talented team, expected to go pretty far. They, they did make it to the Sweet 16. I think people were hoping for a little bit more. And, uh, and this year they start off slow, but they've really come on strong here at the end of the year. And, uh, and they're playing really good ball. They've got some really good guards. We've got, I believe, one of the best point guards in the country. This kid named Monty Morris uh, from, from Flint, Michigan. And uh, he is an absolute stud offensively, defensively. He's got something like a 6-1 to one assist-to-turnover ratio. I think it's an NCAA record. Uh, he, he's a great player, and uh, he'll be in the NBA uh, a year from now. So we'll, we'll see what happens today. And uh, I'm really looking forward to my, my, my first experience uh, with the Big 12 tournament, which is, is sort of an Iowa State thing to do. It's only three and a half hours from Ames, and we, we call it Hilton South uh, <laughs> down in Kansas City. They, they really fill it up down there. The Iowa State fans really come down and, and, uh, and put on a good show uh, and support their team. Super, super fun. Sounds more lively than the Big Ten tournament, which is stuck out in Washington, D.C. this year. But uh, maybe the Gophers and Cyclones are destined for perhaps a Sweet 16 matchup somewhere. That'd be a fun Midwestern battle. And this is one of those just crazy, wild weeks of the sports calendar where, you know, you've got divisional chases in the NBA and the NHL. You've got college basketball reaching its precipice, and you've got National Football League free agency going on right now. And you tweeted it yesterday, one of the crazier free agency days in recent memory. I think the big move that everybody's talking about, Brock Osweiler, getting dealt in a sort of a basketball trade where Cleveland just eats his salary for a second-round pick. Totally unprecedented. You don't see that every day. 
you just don't see somebody trade a player and actually give up a draft pick just to get rid of them and really get nothing in return. I mean, usually there's a, I give you something, you give me something back. It's more of like, here, you can have the player and take this too because we really don't want him. I mean, that salary uh, and that contract that Rick Smith gave to uh, Brock Osweiler, really one of the worst contracts in recent memory that I recall. Uh, nobody knows what's going to happen. I don't think there's anything conclusive uh, in Cleveland yet. My, my assumption is that, no, I think, I think people believe Brock Osweiler's not a starter in the NFL, but as a backup, as a guy who still does have potential that may be in the right system. I mean, he did go 5-1 and one with Gary Kubiak out in Denver, so he's not some terrible player. And, and my guess is that Cleveland will try to trade him uh, uh, to get something out of him. Maybe it's a fifth-round draft pick, a sixth-round draft pick, uh, and to a team that maybe will want to pay him 3 or $4 million as a good backup, uh, and, and Cleveland will just eat the rest of that salary. That is my assumption that's going to happen. Somebody will want him as a backup, but they'll only want to pay him a backup salary, uh, which in turn, at the end of the day, uh, Osweiler is going to uh, be traded for a second-round pick, and then uh, it, will, it will cost uh, – basically, that second-round pick will cost Cleveland probably you know, $13, $14, 15000000 million. Uh, but it gives them the opportunity and, and the firepower to possibly go after Jimmy Garoppolo, who is the quarterback they want from New England. Yeah, and from what I'm hearing, they had $100 million of cap space or something absurd like that. So <laughs> you, you, you may as well spend that money somewhere, even if it's a, it's a ludicrous price to pay for a second-round pick. They have the capital to do it. And you see Cleveland with this new regime they have. I've heard people call it kind of hashtag analytics with the Browns, and they've stockpiled 22 picks over the next two years, including nine picks over the next two years that are in the top 65. So those are all first and second round picks that Cleveland is going to be bringing in. So now the question is, can they evaluate these guys? They made some savvy moves to get the picks. Now they have to execute. They've got one and I think 13 this year in the draft. And when you have so many picks, you have flexibility to not only move around within the draft, but you can trade those picks and bring in proven pieces. And Cleveland is suddenly the dark horse in this league. They're extremely dangerous, and they might be looking at a quick turnaround. Well, it, it may be a quick turnaround. Uh, and that's a, you know, Listen, everyone loves to make fun of Cleveland, I, I as much as anybody else. But, man, at some point you feel sorry for them, and you, you hope they win some games and, and really compete in that division. It'd be pretty cool if Cleveland was in the playoffs and, and making a run at the Super Bowl. The issue with so many draft picks is they just don't have enough spots on the team to keep all those players. So, you know, they're going to have to combine a couple of them and move up in the draft, which is great. It gives them more, more firepower to do that, get better players, which is what they need. They, need a, they do need a lot of football players. They, do, they need an upgrade in talent at a lot of positions. Uh, but also, if you look at from sort of a macro standpoint, you know, if they go out and, and they draft all these guys in the next two years – which means about four years from now, all of these players will become free agents if they work out, and they're going to have a serious problem on their hands of being able to, you know, pay these guys and extend them uh, with what the salary cap will even be in, you know, four years. And so it's a really intriguing situation. It's not something that I recall being around uh, over the course of my career since I've really followed the NFL. Is a team that has stockpiled this many draft picks. I don't think they're going to be any good this year. But I think in, in the future, in the next coming years, 
they, they could be a team with a lot of talent if, if they make the right moves here. Well, they've just thrown out the book of what they've been doing, and they're saying we're going to do something totally different because what we've been doing hasn't worked to this point. And the reason we lead the show talking about the Browns is because the Vikings didn't do a whole lot yesterday. Their one big move, Riley Reef, comes in from the Detroit Lions. We do not know the terms of that contract. But arguably the bigger story is that many, many other offensive linemen falling in places and not going to Minnesota. You've got big guard Kevin Zeitler going to Cleveland, $60 million contract. You've got Russell Okun going to the Chargers, $53 million contract. We talked about Matt Khalil's departure yesterday. Andrew Whitworth, we talked about that. He goes to the Rams. And a lot of these guys spurning Minnesota and going elsewhere. So the Vikings get maybe not their first option, but they do bring in reinforcements with Riley Reef, who has the capability to play the right side and the left side, and they pluck him away from a division rival. Well, and then they, they probably need to do a few more things, and they probably, uh, as part of their game plan, they had a, a situation where they wanted to go out and probably spend money on one player, um, you know, uh, one real solid player, and I think I think they did that. They filled that hole. Uh, it's hard to go out and spend big money on three different offensive linemen. You really hope to develop those guys to the draft. But they went out, they spent money on one player, and uh, and, and hopefully they get a few more here, uh, sort of that second level of free agency. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens today. Uh, it, it was a very exciting day yesterday to see all those guys go off the board. By the way, on these contracts – um, I don't look at the, the full number of them. I generally look at the guaranteed number in uh, the first two, maybe three years of that contract. After that, uh, it, it's, it's a who knows type of situation. So you really look at what's, what's guaranteed, uh, what, what the player sort of has to get uh, before you can release him or, or whatever. So uh, I, I like what they did with, with, with one guy. He's an Iowa guy. You know, I, I, it's, Kirk Ferentz is obviously the rival of Iowa State, my alma mater. But, man, that guy knows how to teach uh, and, 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 and nurture offensive linemen. He's been doing it for a long, long time, about 20 years over there in Iowa City. And uh, he has put numerous guys in the NFL who have had long, long careers. So I like that move for a lot of reasons. Well, it's funny because the Vikings lose Chad Greenway, who grew up in South Dakota and went to Iowa, but they bring in Riley Reef, who grew up in South Dakota and went to Iowa. So they've, they're sticking with those Midwestern roots. And uh, ironically, Riley Reef was drafted 19 picks after Matt Khalil. He was uh, considered a lesser offensive line talent. I think he's probably emerged as the better of the two, and I think it's an upgrade for Minnesota, even though Carolina clearly doesn't think so. Man, that's a lot of money to pay Matt Khalil. It shows you that uh, the left tackle position, and you mentioned about three of them there earlier, uh, the value of that left tackle position. And uh, not many teams have a good one, and teams will overpay for a very average one. And, uh, you know, congrats to Khalil. Uh, you know, he, uh, he's, he's getting paid a huge contract, and I, I think he gets to play with his brother out there in Carolina, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So I'm sure that was part of the, the situation. So uh, that, that is, uh, you know, good for him. I, I'm, you know, I'm always happy when guys get paid. Khalil's a, a nice guy. Uh, I, I enjoyed my short time with him as a Viking. Um, he didn't have the, the, um, the type of uh, success that he was hoping to have, that I was hoping he'd have. But as far as the guys, it's not like he's a big jerk. I, he's, a, he's a good guy. He works hard. He does his best, and uh, he got a huge contract. So good for him. 
here's one of the more interesting dominoes from yesterday. Reportedly, Alshon Jeffrey was flirted with by the Vikings, but he chose to turn down a multi-year deal in Minnesota and sign for one year in Philadelphia for $14 million guaranteed dollars. Not only did the Vikings not get Jeffrey, but I think the bigger story is that they're targeting a major wide-receiving star. That's probably an indictment of Laquan Treadwell, is it not? Uh, I think it absolutely is. And, and I think the reason teams like Jeffrey is, you know, he's not a game-breaker. Uh, he's not that fast. He's not a guy that just soars down the field like a Randy Moss or a, a T.O. in their prime. But what he is is he's this big body. And, you know, and, and the New York Giants did a very similar thing um, by going out and getting uh, – I'm having a, a brain lapse here um, – from the Jets, um, uh, Marshall. Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Uh, Eli Manning likes to, you know, run the football versus cover two when both safeties are deep. Uh, but when a safety comes up in the box, uh, it's really break, making the game really simple. Let's go one-on-one on the outside. And Alshon Jeffrey is like the one-on-one guy. Uh, you can run skinny posts with them. You can run, you know, back shoulder fade routes, uh, stop routes. He's such a big body that he doesn't have to get great separation. Uh, you just have to put the ball where the, the DB can't get it. So he allows teams to uh, play a simple game of if, if, if the safeties, you know, play two high safeties, we'll run the ball. And if, if they bring a safety down the box, we got a big guy one-on-one on the outside that'll hurt that'll hurt teams. So uh, that, that was a big that, – interesting, that's only a one-year contract, though, uh, that he only wanted a one-year contract. Man, if I'm a player, uh, I, I try to get as mu- much guaranteed money as I can, uh, and I, I, I understand betting on yourself, but uh, I, I would rather go a, a, a two-year – you know, $21 million contract and a one-year $14 million contract uh, because he could tear an ACL or, or something could happen where he end his, could end his career. So uh, that, that, to me, is a risky move by Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, that's a great point. He's only 27. Jeffrey, Diggs, Thielen would have been monstrous, I think. That would have been a great trio, and the Vikings missed out on him. It reminds me what the New York Giants have now. You know, the Giants have Marshall. Uh, they obviously have Odell Beckham, and they've, they've got Shepard. I mean, three good wideouts. They basically changed out Victor Cruz for Brandon Marshall, and I think the Vikings were looking to get that one big-bodied wide receiver uh, that they don't have on the roster, at least one that's not making enough plays for him on the roster. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Other Vikings news, Rhett Ellison signs a four-year deal with the New York Giants. So that that big blocking tight end who's been a mainstay for the past five years, he's gone. And punter Jeff Locke departs for Indianapolis. So the Vikings suddenly in need of a punter. Two significant losses, I would say, when you've got you know, a punter you've had four years and a, a blocking tight end who's been an important role player. Vikings will need to address those needs as well. Well, and again, sort of I said about Khalil, Red Ellison is one of my favorites on that football team last year. Uh, He's what I call a glue guy. He's one of those guys that just tries to do everything right. He's tough as nails. Uh, He's not going to be a guy that, you know, makes waves in the press or throws out big stats. 
but just tries to do everything he can to help the football team. Fullback, tight end, special teams, uh, you know, doesn't matter what he is. He's great in the locker room and, uh, and good for the New York Giants to, to go out and, and see the value of a guy like that. You know, when I, when I played for the Giants, they had a guy named Bear uh, Pasco who was a similar type of player, just sort of a utility knife. Uh, and could really help a football team. So Red Allison, truly, for you Vikings fans, really one of the, the good men uh, of the NFL. And I'm very, very happy that he got a, a good contract. The Vi- and he was one of the Vikings rushing touchdowns last year, one of the <laughs> few that they had. So they're going to have to figure that out now, replace him with another rusher, I guess. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> as far as punter goes, the Vikings do have Taylor Simank, 24-year-old, a young, undrafted punter on their roster. Maybe they think he's the answer. Maybe he has a bigger leg. I guess we never really knew if Jeff Locke had the leg to be a longer-distance punter or if he was just a victim of a conservative system. I always felt like he was doing what the Vikings wanted him to do, and maybe they wanted him back, maybe they didn't. But uh, he goes on to Indianapolis on a two-year deal. This is where it's interesting where the the timing of – free agency versus the draft. And, you know, maybe the Vikings have their eye on on two or three punters they really like in the draft, uh, and they think they can get those guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, and uh, and they can be just as effective and and pay that that punter for the next four years, you know, very, very little, half a million dollars or, you know, a year or something. So there could have been a play there. You sort of wonder, and and I think this is where the, the free agent quarterback situation is so exciting this year because the draft situation uh, is so down this year with, with quarterbacks. So maybe it's a situation with punters where uh, the Vikings feel like there's some good punters in the draft, obviously something that we're not going to know all that much about until we get closer to the draft, but maybe that's part of their game plan where they feel there's some good players there that they might be able to, to sign and could step in you know, year one and do a good job for, for you know, a, really a, probably a quarter or a fifth of the price uh, or a tenth of the price, really, of a uh, of what probably Jeff Locke got. What, do you know the numbers on that contract? It's two years, $3.45 million with $1.25 guaranteed. So not much. No. So obviously the Vikings were, were probably not thrilled uh, with, with his performance uh, enough to pay, you know, pay, really pay him not much over the veteran minimum at this point. Here are the remaining Vikings free agents that we don't have any news on yet. Captain Munderland, Terrence Newman, Cordero Patterson, Adrian Peterson, Matt Asiata, Zach Line, Sean Hill, Audie Cole, Justin Tratto. So there are a lot of guys that are still out there. Day two of free agency officially underway. The upper tier there with Patterson, Munnerlin. I, I don't think Peterson's going to go yet. I think he's going to linger a bit. Well, and I, and I think for, and I tweeted this yesterday, I, I think as I was breaking down what, what might happen with Adrian yesterday, and I saw that uh, you know nobody had signed him to a big contract, and I was sort of you know seeing some things online. I had made a few phone calls of what the interest was in Adrian. It seems to me that there's a lot more interest in Adrian playing for teams than teams having interest in Adrian uh, right now. And I, my guess is this is a very humbling experience for him. I tweeted about that yesterday, and it was no disrespect for Adrian. I, he's, you know, he's the all-time greatest running back in Vikings history, one of the all-time great running backs in NFL history. But he is 31 years old, coming to the end of his career. He feels he has a lot left in the tank, and teams may not feel the same way. It doesn't look like feel the same way about him. So he's going to go from you know, making a huge salary uh, to probably something much, much, much smaller 
than he was hoping for. And uh, my guess is a very enlightening and humbling experience for Adrian Peterson yesterday. We will see what happens with him. My, my thoughts on Adrian is I was around a lot of NFL football players, a lot of great athletes, guys I consider freaks of nature. Adrian's the top of all of them. I was never, I mean, Ricky Williams was unbelievable the way he was built, his strength, his power, his speed, but nothing was like Adrian. I do think he's got a couple more good years left in the tank. Uh, the issue is he's coming off such a bad year with injuries and, and low production, I think 1.8 yards per carry. He needs to go to a team like Oakland with a really good offensive line. Uh, he can be one of the feature backs there, the first or second back, and maybe he can put out 1,000 yards and then still you know, prove it and get a good contract next year. I think that's his best way to go. He's got to go out there and find a team with one of those top five offensive lines uh, so he can really show that he has the ability to be a great back again. Well said. Probably leaves open the possibility, too, of the Vikings swooping in and, and offering something that he might consider more now than he would have three days ago. I did forget to mention this. Eddie Lacy has been talked to by the Vikings, the former Packer. Eddie Lacy, your thoughts on that? I'm not all that interested. I mean, the, the, he didn't do much, all that much. The Packers, he's a, he's a one way back in the sense he's not a guy who can catch the ball in the back. But I think the NFL game has changed, and I know – Coach Zimmer's an old-fashioned, you know, play great defense and run the football type of guy. It's not easy just to just run the football anymore, especially when your quarterback is not one that can really be a threat either. It's much easier to run the football when uh, you, know, you have uh, a Cam Newton or, or Russell Wilson or Alex Smith back there who can threaten a defense with, you know, some sort of zone read action. They don't have that right now, at least not this year. So, I think they need to get more pass-catching type guys, and, and I know they want to run the football, but that's very, very hard to do, especially with the, the offensive line that they have. And I, I don't think he's the right type of back uh, for, for this type of offense to be more explosive for 2017. I would hope that if they are considering Eddie Lacy, that it is only as a short yardage complimentary back. He could be the bruiser, and then McKinnon and maybe someone else could, could be the slasher the lightning to Lacey's thunder. I don't think you want to make Lacey your featured back. And if they can pay him accordingly, a small contract, maybe a couple million a year to be a, a, a secondary piece, I'm more okay with that. But if you want Lacey to, to be basically a Peterson replacement, I don't agree with that at all. Well, and I, and I have, I always have this concern and I played for Nick Saban. I always have a concern for Alabama running backs. I know how Nick practices with professional athletes i can only imagine how he practices with college athletes and how much they get beat up in particular the running back and i I just you wonder with even after only four years in the nfl if eddie lacy has just been beat up so much uh uh with through college in his first four years that you know his careers will be over you know before you know it and and he's a big boy too so he's a guy that takes a lot of punishment uh, and doesn't really know how to, you know, you know, miss tackles, but more try to run through them, which which really adds up on the body. Well, he's he's declined in rushing yards every year. He didn't play 11 games last year. He only only played in five games. So you, you're right. There are some signs of decline already on Eddie Lacy. So man, intriguing stuff. You got you got the Browns wheeling and dealing. You got the Vikings going after star receivers, offensive linemen getting plucked up left and right. I thought we were also going to talk about today that just the NFC North in general. I mean, a lot of fascinating stories going on there. I, in particular, obviously, Chicago 
with going out and getting Mike Glenn. And I, I've liked Mike Glenn from the get-go. Uh, if, if Brock Osweiler are going to pay 18 and $19 million, so over two years, I think Glennon is a much better player uh, than Osweiler. So I actually think he could be pretty good. If Glennon isn't successful in Chicago, I actually think it's because the Bears are so bad. Uh, I think Glennon's going to be a good quarterback. I thought he would have been perfect, sort of a – uh, sort of Matt Ryan-ish, but not as good, obviously, but a Matt Ryan type of player. I thought he would have been perfect for Kyle Shanahan uh, out in San Francisco, but obviously that didn't happen. So that's intriguing that, that the Bears now have a quarterback uh, for the future that's not Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler was in Chicago for eight years. doesn't seem like he was there for eight years, but, man, he was there wow. for eight years. Uh, and per usual, up in Green Bay, Ted Thompson – I think he's probably getting a donut right now, reading the New York Times, wondering what's going on with Russia and politics, because he doesn't do anything ever in free agency. And, and I understand that you build to the draft, you build to the draft. I get that. But you have the greatest quarterback, I think, of this generation right now. You know, I think, I think Tom Brady's the greatest ever. But right now, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best. Go out and get that guy some weapons. Go out and get him another tight end. Go out and get them uh, some more offensive um, get him some defensive players spend some money but he doesn't do that I mean good for the Vikings but man there's only so many times where you have a window we've got the, the best quarterback in the league and Ted Thompson never does anything with it it drives me crazy I I just don't get it preach it if we were listening to Bill Huber on Locked on Packers right now I feel like it would be a, a monologue word for word what you just said I mean, that, that's exactly what Packers have been saying for years. I think they lost Micah Hyde on the defensive side. Yeah, they're losing players, uh, and they, they haven't – I can't remember the last real big free agent they went out and got out of them, maybe Julius Peppers, mm-hmm. you know, four years ago or whenever that was. They just – it's like he's like, the, he's like the GM who is just hoping that when he's driving down the interstate that there's a, a really cheap outlet mall and he finds his favorite T-shirt there for $2. It's just not going to happen. I, I, I don't get it. You got The Packers have so much money. They, they're always way under the cap. Go out and spend it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. He's being frugal with the people's money, Sage. The people own the team. He's got to manage it responsibly. <laughs> that, that's even easier. He doesn't even have a boss. I mean, he doesn't even have like a real a boss that's like, no, I'm, I'm a little low on the cash flow right now. I can't really give you anything. You know, just you have to wait for the second wave because my my other business is losing money right now. So, I mean, he doesn't even have that type of situation going on. The NFL's the salary cap is booming. He needs to go out and take advantage of the fact that I don't know how many more years Aaron Rodgers has left in him, but my guess is maybe four or five more years of of uh, you know the top level you know quality you know type of. Uh, uh, type of play that he's, you know, type of production that he's that he's been doing the last few years. Man, what else we got? Anything? That was a great rant. What else do we have? I, I don't want to leave anything untapped. <laughs> like the Jim Rome show. Uh, you know, I don't know. The Detroit, I wasn't really paying attention to too much. But I tell you what, yesterday I was lucky. I didn't have a lot to do. I was doing stuff around my house. I had uh, NFL Network on almost the entire day. It was so much fun uh, seeing the craziness of the Brock Osweiler situation and and people that are losing their minds about Mike Glennon and this, that, and the other. And uh, it was so much fun yesterday. I, I could not wait for the podcast this morning. And you had Adam Schefter, like, answering his phone on TV, and I think ESPN had the Schefter cam, which was filming Schefter as he texted GMs and, and whoever. I don't understand Schefter because he's on TV while he's simultaneously scooping two these phones. stories. Two phones. Yeah, two, two phones. <laughs> 
sometimes I think it's a shtick. Like sometimes I think that it's a like a fake kid's phone that's not going out to anybody. That it's so goofy to me. But he gets all the biggest stories. I got to give it to him. I'm just trying to figure out the two phones thing. Like, listen, I get that some people have two phones for business and one for like you know family and friends, like a personal phone. But but the, both those phones he's answering. I mean, does he have an NFC phone and an AFC <laughs> phone? Like, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, phones can literally, I think, I think hold like thousands of contacts. So I don't really know why uh, he has two phones there. So, uh, yeah, it's yesterday for the NFL. I mean, it's March, well, I don't know, was it March 9th or something? Just shows the, 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 the popularity of the league, the intrigue uh, of the sports, uh, how much people care. Uh, the offseason in the NFL is so much fun because every team feels like they have a chance uh, to go from 3-13 and 13, uh, to in the playoffs the next year because it does happen. And, man, if we can just add a couple free agents, we can just add a couple guys in the draft, we got this new young coach that supposedly is good, boom, we can be in the mix next year, and there's just so much excitement, uh, and I'm excited just to be a part of it. Well, the NFL season starts September 10th, so we are exactly six months away from the first Sunday of NFL action, and this is what's happening. We're still half a year from the next meaningful NFL Sunday, and yet that's all people can talk about, even with March Madness, even with all these NBA and NHL storylines. It's all NFL, baby, and we're glad to podcast it for you on Lockdown Vikings. Sage, have a terrific uh, Big 12 tournament. I'll look for you on the television. Sounds good. I'll be sitting next to the athletic director, Jamie Pollard. Oh, wow. VIP. So that'd be fun. VIP treatment. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Have a good time. I will be calling high school hockey today at the XL Center, so you can tune into that. Lakeville South and Moorhead on AM 1440 later tonight. He's Sage. I'm Sam. This is Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash List. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.